Hello and welcome to the Musty Creative Podcast. I am your host, Jesus, and I am joined by my friend and yours... Willows B. Cornhusk. Mercy. Ah, <laughs> oh, those names. Cornhusk. <laughs> I will never stop. Never stop, never stopping, right? True. Thank you for joining us today, even though it's musting here, because we've been working too hard. If this is your first time listening to us, we are the Musty Collective, and we motivate ourselves to become better storytellers. And we are continuing our Understanding Story Series. <laughs> By moving from didacticism, <laughs> which was last week's episode, and now exploring... Mythic Dissonance. Yep, yep, yep. Ooh. It sounds mysterious. Let's start the show. What is mythic? What does it mean? Uh, it's kind of funny because I, I had this book in high school that I really liked. And it was actually like the root words. It was like all about root words and Latin root words and Greek root words. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I really liked it. I actually still have it, I think. Um, but this word mythic, it stems from the word myth, which is a word to describe traditional storytelling. Traditional. Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. So sitting by the fire, hearing tales of people and places from long ago. Maybe ghost stories? I don't know. I'm thinking of like campfire ghost story type stuff. <laughs> yeah, but like campfires don't like, I guess now in the modern times, we always just, uh, um, you know, tied together ghost stories with campfires um but you could tell regular stories too <laughs> just no, tra- so. traditional stories with heroes and heroines and villains yeah. and those kind of things mm-hmm. so now the next word dissonance what is dissonance what does that mean it comes from the musical realm Ooh. which means to not be in harmony which is actually kind of cool uh, dissonance when you know doing the show notes for this episode and now under like learning what this is like i'm definitely gonna use dissonance a lot more often Mm -hmm. it's a very cool word it also stands for to not be united you know to be uh to have tension or to clash uh resulting from the combination of two disharmonious or unsuitable elements two so it doesn't just have to be one disharmonious element it could be two clashing together which is actually very fitting just thought about that so it's like my esophagus and tomato sauce uh yes apparently yes there is uh dissonance (laughs) uh eating dissonance when that when that happens yes so the whole idea when we get into the uh into the topic of myth and us being audiences sitting around the campfire sitting uh or, or you know sitting on grandpa's lap or hearing a story from our mom as we go to bed. The whole idea is that, you know, good storytelling, it's essentially the retelling of what life is and isn't. And it can be in parallel or perpendicular uh, to, you know, a story's 
message or theme or controlling idea like we discussed last week. Mm-hmm. And so the whole the whole point that we're getting into this understanding story series is to understand why story means so much to us, but also understanding like the kind of foundational truths of why story is so important to us. And so this topic of mythic dissonance uh, is more along the lines of what can happen when you have stories um, or a story or a story franchises we're going to get into uh, that is more like on the perpendicular or at odds um, between the the audience, right, and the author, right? Today's franchise-heavy Hollywood atmosphere, there is a lot of what we could now term as mythic dissonance, the whole idea that there is some kind of disharmony in the idea of what a story is supposed to represent. You know, um, I'm going to use Star Wars as a reference a lot, but, you know, with the new sequel trilogy finally finished and the whole epic tale of the Skywalker saga, Skywalker saga done, there are a lot of questions from Star Wars fans in the fandom on YouTube and authors of, you know, asking this basic question, what is Star Wars? Like, what is it really? Hmm. And the reason why that question is coming up so much is because there's so much disagreement, more so than I've ever seen in the fandom before, of what Star Wars actually is. And is it something that needs to change? Um, or is it something that needs to be steeped in tradition and it can only evolve in little small steps? There can never be dramatic change. And so we see these arguments build up and we're not just seeing this with like you know smaller uh, or just with just one franchise of star wars but we'll get into it but it's just an interesting topic that there's so much vicious infighting in stories fandom today mm-hmm. where people you know can come into a fandom come into a story that's been told or has these many stories to go with it and find out that there are these little pockets of people and it's kind of <laughs> interesting because it, it's very much almost like religious debates where you have your Baptists and your Presbyterians and your Catholics, you know, and just all spread out across the room, your Calvinists, all believing certain different things. And they can be very vicious and fighting about these about these details that matter so much to them. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like people I notice take a lot of ownership over things like yeah, they do. especially in entertainment like because you, you you emotionally connect with what you're watching and the things that you you really like you automatically sort of put yourself in that position so like when people say like oh this movie sucks you take it personally because it actually means something to you like deep in your heart like how, how dare you say that i really love that movie or like that was one of my favorite characters. So it's just interesting how people sort of, they sort of take ownership over certain stories because they relate to it somehow. Yeah, and that that goes again to the idea of like what what a story's message can be is like this parallel for life or just perpendicular to life with this message or theme that, you know, people like really really grab grab onto and make it a part of their kind of personal belief system Mm -hmm. and i think you know we don't have to go full on into this but reasons why this happened this is happening so much now from you know like you could say from 2010 to 2020 is definitely you know you have a second generation that are the children of the the first original pop culture generation Mm. where you know this 
generation grew up with Star Trek and Flash Gordon and Star Wars and all these different franchises, movie franchises that, you know, became big for them. Uh, and they really started to develop, you know, conventions to discuss these things mm-hmm. and to meet up and, and to have groups and to write books about how they could be even bigger fans and collect, you know, collect toys and things like that. <laughs> so now you have a second generation that is doing the same thing that their parents are doing with their with their new stuff, mm-hmm. like Harry Potter, the new Star Wars stuff, Disney stuff. And but they they have another tool. They have the Internet. And so, you know, <laughs> these fans can actually reach out and talk to authors. They can, you know, write articles and find each other and build small communities. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why, you know, you're getting this this visceral emotion from people when you change a character or delve in a different way than people thought you should or, or an author or a creator does something that you start saying, well, I don't know if I can support the creation now. But it hurts so much because, you know, it means so much to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, from just like the last podcast, we're getting a lot of these ideas from Robert McKee's book uh, called Story. And so he kind of writes in the beginning of the book these two interesting things. And I don't know if we're going to utilize both of them, but definitely the second one for sure. But the first one, the first thing he writes is story is about mastering the art, not second guessing the marketplace. And essentially the caution that I got from it is that, you know, don't don't try to guess, you know, that your story will sell or you're you're try that, you know, you'll try to put in elements that are going to match the current consciousness of society. And I think that's kind of interesting because I do think this is where sometimes Hollywood might make mistakes where they like pull a bunch of market data and say, oh, okay, you know, a movie that's going to hit really hard right now for you know, maybe certain female element groups in our society and maybe certain elements of people of color. That's kind of like what's going on right now in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. You know, this is going to sell. And it's interesting because I feel like since story is art, you know, it should be more about what story do you really want to tell? And and then, you know, seeing if that is something that the current consciousness consciousness of society will grab onto or the market, you know, in a business term. I think the thing is that Hollywood tries to, I mean... There is an element of artists expressing themselves through the films that Hollywood creates, but then there's this whole other aspect where they are just trying to make money. And yeah. so it um I feel like a lot of the ideas that people try to come up with um it's really based on what do they think is going to sell the most, not what they think is really the most important to society in that way yeah um so they're just like picking things that are trending they're like oh make a script about this like i remember i don't remember what year it was but there was a year where there were like two or three snow white movies that came yeah, out yeah and they're all like sort of piggybacking on each other like well this is my version of what snow white is and then they so, did they did jungle book and Mowgli. yeah, yeah. so like they kind of go with trends and it's not necessarily like oh what is what it i don't know what is my heart telling me yeah i don't know about like the heart but anyway but like just expressing yourself as an artist and wanting to express your life or other experiences or whatever it's been a lot about like well what do we think is going to make the most money yeah and this is not like uh, a debate of like which is greater or which is better um just pointing out those two sides of it and what's great about having michelle here is that 
you know, she does know what it, you know, more about the film industry than I do. And I'm just coming more from a fan perspective in this kind of conversation that I would want all my stories to come from the heart and they have a real true message to share with me and not just the studio needs, you know, to make, uh, uh, you know, an extra earning in their quarter, their financial quarter. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, I'm coming from this very uh, idealistic (laughs) perspective. Innocent and pure. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) In in a way, yes. Um, But yeah, so the next thing he writes is, and kind of like right after this section, the previous section, he writes... Story is about respect, not disdain for the audience. Oh, really? And yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to cause disdain in my audience. Yeah, right. No, I just think it's interesting because you, you know, again, I'm going to pick on Star Wars here because you have The Last Jedi. <laughs> and I'm not saying whether The Last Jedi is good or bad. I'm just, it's interesting because, you know, you have, you know, uh, quotes, and I'm paraphrasing poorly from Ryan Johnson, the writer and director of that movie, about how, you know, he he likes it when, an audience will people will argue or like half his audience won't like it or like his one of his movies or and then the other half will like his movies and you know the whole idea of you know also calling some of the fan base that were upset with some of his choices man babies and again <laughs> not going into the the details but i do think there was a sense i felt a sense of elitism from ryan johnson's work in star wars that you know, was like trying to force and evolve the franchise and story to change hmm. and kind of having a disdain for the audience if they didn't understand or kind of give a thumbs up or approval for his work. Anyways, <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. But <laughs> arguing that people intelligently view, um, you know, watch, listen, you know, hear your story and are making decisions as to what seems right to them and what seems wrong to them. I think the whole idea here is that um, when you're telling a story, you have to realize that your audience is intelligent and not they're not stupid. And if they have a visceral negative reaction, it does it doesn't mean that oh they just didn't get your work. It could mean that maybe objectively something was wrong. But you know this is where the dissonance can come into play with with myth, with storytelling, with traditional storytelling. like big franchises there's this growing cry in society against authors of different universes like star wars and harry potter yeah harry, comics. harry potter's having like a almost a huge almost breakdown in his fandom because <laughs> uh jk rowling again i'm not getting into all the details but apparently like she's come out in very like you know pro transphobic statements mm-hmm. and a lot of the fans who are now adults but they're kids who read her books and fell in love with her universe are coming into like major qualms about should they continue to support this universe because it directly supports her financially mm-hmm. when they completely disagree with what she's saying mm-hmm. and it, it's very interesting plus i again i'm not a big harry potter person but apparently a lot of fans were not were not happy with some of the story plot lines and how things were done in the latest two movies mm-hmm. of this franchise so it's it's interesting yeah so a lot of people are like 
ooh, that's not my Dumbledore. Yeah. Or that's not my Luke. Or, yeah. What are you doing to Superman? Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting. Like fans love this stuff so much, um, but they hate um, that the author's work isn't like aligning properly with what they think yeah. the characters should do. And then also like just with J.K. Rowling's, um, I guess situation, is that like her what who she is as a person was sort of like representing Harry Potter as a series. And now right. that people aren't completely agreeing with her lifestyle or like the things that she believes in, they're starting to question the validity of the Harry Potter universe. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, but then, and then some fans, even though they disagree with her personal statements, still can't tear themselves away from the universe because, again, it means that much to them. That it's it's such a big part of their life, mm-hmm. and then one thing you know, getting more into like just you know changes within the universe, there is the idea that in fandom uh, people call headcanon, where you know people uh, again it's very close to religion. It's very interesting, but like <laughs> like essentially the whole idea that you have the canon, which means uh, you know again in religion the canonized Bible. You know, as far as what books are allowed in the Bible mm-hmm. are like, you know, Genesis to um, Genesis to Revelation. Right. And all those books in between and all all like Genesis to Malachi and then Matthew to Revelation. That whole that whole list mm-hmm. is the quote unquote canon. The, the whole like this stuff is all part of what Christians should be looking at. And these are the real stories and anything extra like the Apocrypha or anything like that, you know, disregard that. Like you can you might be able to read it, but it's not part of the like the legit, legit timeline. Mm-hmm. And and in Star Wars and Harry Potter, any of these any of these shared story franchises, um, they have a canon. But fans can choose to say in their own heads, no, this is not part of the canon. I disagree <laughs> with this. This is not what I think. Right. And again, just like in religion, right, certain certain. People can be like, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to disregard Genesis as a book. Yeah. I don't, I don't believe in the creation story. And, and they it's have. It's like they're picking and choosing. Right, right. And, and again, not saying one is good or bad or you know, anything like that. But this does happen. And it's mm-hmm. very interesting because then if a large group of those fans feel the same way and they can you know, sway you know, from a financial standpoint yeah. to a franchise, then you have stuff where like the solo film – performed like the worst that a Star Wars film has ever performed and I think actually lost money for Disney. Ouch. So it's it's very interesting and and the major question with mythic dissonance, right? The whole idea that there is disharmony with how the story is being handled. Mhm. Why does this happen? Why does dissonance happen? Yeah. <laughs> That's a really big question. Um so why do people find themselves out of harmony with the films and stories that they love? Yeah. Uh, we'll take it to a musical approach. So when a band has the notes to a song and they agree to play those notes together at the same rhythm and someone in the group decides to play completely different, dissonance happens. Is that what's happening with these story franchises? Yeah, it, it's a very simplistic way to look at it and I'm sure people are like already typing like, oh, that's too simplistic. What are you doing? You're just, you're not giving the full breadth of the arguments. And and I'm sorry, but it's going to be like 
a 35, maybe 40 minute podcast. We're not going to give every single argument. <laughs> but if we, you, we work, we have full time jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you if you really want us to, then we can we can definitely, you know, create a whole a, a deeper series and really probably invite some more guests that can give more um, just give more reflection on this idea. But but yeah, the whole the whole idea is that, you know, people, the very the most simplistic of people's emotions is that hey, this is what we all think this thing means. <laughs> and and you did this. Mm-hmm. And and we don't believe that you earned this. And yeah. and so we're we're mad. <laughs> and and then from the author, from the creator's standpoint, the creative people, they're like, whoa, like what's wrong? Like don't be so backwards. Allow change. You know, it's just yeah. a, a new perspective. It doesn't mean, you know, that you have to be this angry just emotional about it Mm -hmm. but it but again going back to the whole reason you know the whole thing behind this i'm I'm picking story franchises because these are the most popular stories in the entire world now because of the global economy because of the internet you can literally go like i remember taking a trip to singapore and talking to someone about the last jedi and what they thought and they're from another part completely of the country raised uh, of the world raised in a different part of the world just different views than I than I did than I had, and you know we could talk about this shared this shared universe together, and and really you know have the same kind of terminology and variables and and we both spoke English but it was just there was no cultural difference of like oh you know what is Star Wars it's like oh I get it you know we <laughs> yeah there's a lightsaber and Jedi okay cool mm-hmm. and and we and then but with that comes the the whole the whole all the messages of what Star Wars means. And it's interesting because even though we had never met and we were from different parts of the world, we kind of agree, like, you know, for us, The Last Jedi was not a great reflection on what Star Wars is. It was kind of a false reflection of what Star Wars is. Again, you can have a different opinion in us. That's totally fine. But it isn't. I think that's interesting mm-hmm. that stories are so globally popular. You can go to another part of the country, another part of the world. I keep saying country. <laughs> And and have these kind of conversations and and be able to say, like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree, too. Like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. but I don't know anything else about you. <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy. Like, um, like stories that are expressed in movies, it, it is like a reflection of society in a way. Yeah. Which is it's really interesting. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, if, if you just look at, um, you know, just certain ideals. Right. Like, you know, for instance, you know, I, I made a joke about this with Avatar last week. But like I said before, um, if if Avatar had been made uh, back in like, let's say, the late 60s, early 70s, when they're still, you know, hippies were fighting the, the uh, these bad corporations who were, you know, doing horrible things to the environment and like dumping oil and things like that, you know, that would have hit differently for mm-hmm. American society than it did in 2009 whenever yeah. it came out um, Avatar came out because by that time we all kind of agreed we all had watched Free Willy we all had like <laughs> we, all, we all had like this understanding from grade school that as a general society even though like you know people are like oh you know we still need oil to run our, our cars we still had this general understanding of oh yeah we shouldn't ruin the environment so when you see mm-hmm. the, the the Avatar movie it wasn't like it hit hard like oh wow i never thought about that before yeah it was like oh we've seen this message before because other films other stories like fern Gully and other and free mm-hmm. willy had already hit and they set this tone for people 
and the news just and, in general and the and the news in general so we already kind of felt that but see if now you have like a like you have a movie like black panther mm-hmm. that features an all black cast um but it's a it's a it's a superhero film and it's you know a strong black male character who's saving the world um and it's again going global these are newer concepts for society to kind of hit home and i know people say well what about shaft and things like that but again just the the way that black panther hits it hits to a larger more massive audience Mm -hmm. and again so that that's new or something like wonder woman having a female superhero again i know the wonder woman tv show happened a long time ago but again at a movie that kind of scale you know it hits differently to a society and that message of female empowerment just is it, it, it's different. It's something that if you tried to do that many years ago, may not have been as successful because society wasn't ready for it. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's, it's just interesting as a reflection of our society or, or, you know, to go even more like more in a negative light. If you have a film like The Joker. Yeah, know, that's scary. That, again, on a massive scale, like like so many people watching, I know Taxi Driver was that movie but again not it was it not as many people watched it but as a, on a massive scale you see a movie like the joker i don't think i think you have maybe more protests of people like at theaters saying don't play this movie this, if this movie was made mm-hmm. and, and and released in the 50s or 60s people are like what what are you doing yeah. you know that that's weird that's crazy you know so um it, it it's interesting like society has to be at the right point in time for a movie to come out. A movie that failed in the 50s and 60s might succeed in 2020. So last week we were talking about this YouTuber, Wit and Folly. Um, We watched their video Star Wars and the hero's journey, the myth is broken. Yeah. Um, so that was like a really thought-provoking video, and it presented ideas that you may or may not agree with. Um, but we think it's worth you watching and us providing our own responses to that video. Yeah. And this is not like a direct, direct response, but just kind of adding to the conversation in general. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I definitely recommend, you know, we'll put a link in the show notes and you know watch watch the video see what you think um it brings up the whole idea of like um again more into star wars of like what is star wars and what is myth and and what's and what are the what are the foundations of kind of like the general archetypal stories that we're getting today and Mm -hmm. but then also she or they kind of get into the whole the whole idea of you know the regular model myth that we've been getting into um, from like the John Campbell um, kind of paradigm, you know, you know, looking then at it from the American model myth and looking at how heroes are are, are interplayed against like the the American societal. It, it gets more philosophical, but the whole the whole idea that there are different ideas being presented from American heroism than from the John Campbell heroism that are are clashing, and so you know maybe that's why. You know, there's mythic dissonance in the Star Wars fandom because we're seeing the clashing of those ideas. So anyways, uh, we're not going to wait into all those arguments. <laughs> um, but the but the whole idea is you know, looking at, at an example of Star Wars. Um, there's some interesting little factoids that pull together here and uh, nothing nothing you couldn't look up yourself. But 
as an example of mythic dissonance, right? There, there is a disturbance. You can actually see it in the fandom, right? If you just do a couple of Google uh, searches, but using RottenTomatoes.com as a reference, The Rise of Skywalker, which is the last film in the whole entire Skywalker saga, the ninth, the ninth episodic film in Star Wars, which is crazy to think about, <laughs> got a 51% rating from the critics and an 86% rating from the audience. And then you contrast that with The Last Jedi, which got a 90% rating from the critics and a 43% audience rating. Hmm. So it's just like, obviously something happened between two, the, the two films. Yeah. And then uh, looking back at the two last trilogies, you have The Empire Strikes Back received 94% from the critics score and a 97% from the audience score. And then lastly, you have Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, received an 80% critics score and a 66% audience score. So it seems like we're getting farther and farther apart from agreement, right? We have the critics versus the, the fans, fans versus the critics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even like the Wall Street Journal kind of kind of weighed into this with like articles titled Disney Disturbs the Force, Pleasing Star Wars Fans, Complicates the Saga. Uh, and just other articles you can see like, oh, you know, Disney can't win over Star Wars fans. And it's... It's very interesting, like, um, and then obviously with everything going on politically, you know, we're kind of in this moment of, can we have dialogue? Can we move forward? Can we, can we talk about things or will this be, or will there be just this constant disharmony? Um, do you have to do everything to please the fans? And then what does that mean? Like Mm -hmm. there's so many fans, you could please one fan and then piss off like (laughs) 90% of the other fans. So it's crazy. If we only tell stories that fit into what other people want it to be, yeah, does storytelling ever really evolve? Right. Like if society evolves, I guess stories evolve. Is that what it is? Or is it like... Or like the society changes first and then the story changes? Or story changes and then society changes? Hmm. Like chicken and yay kind of thing. Yeah, which one does come first? Yeah, I think like for instance, right, like... You know, storytelling changed in the 90s with, um, like, the big push in computer graphics, like, after the first Jurassic Park movie, mm-hmm. um, which then affected, like, then you see The Matrix with all, like, the, uh, what was it called? The Matrix move? Bullet time? Bullet time. The bullet time effect. And then apparently, apparently by rumors, that affected a lot of George Lucas when he made the prequels. Like, oh, you know, mm. graphics and I got to make things look spiffier. So he pushed mm-hmm. a lot of the CG that we use today. So that that that's changed story. And at first, fan, you know, um, society did not like a lot of the, the computer graphics that was used. Mm. And but it but it allowed creators to do more and to tell more visually pleasing, more epic storytelling yeah. than they ever could. But it took a while for society to say, hey, this is A-OK. And then you get to, what, 2019 and you get to, you know, Marvel's Endgame. And then there's, there, you know, there's all this green screen, right? You know, the, you know, um, Chris Hemsworth, you didn't see him on actual planet Earth, you know, fighting against Thanos and his legions, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that wasn't a real location. We're we're so far removed from that, you know, forty or I guess thirty years ago, filmmaking, mm-hmm. right? And and then we we just watched the uh, the what's that movie? 
the uh, the disaster artist and yes. he's using green screen for like all his shots pretty much <laughs> they're like can't you just use the alley that's right next door yeah <laughs> yeah so it, it's it's very 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 interesting right yeah. so i think that's an excellent statement kind of the whole idea with mythic dissonance do we have to wait for society or does or does the right story help to change and move society forward and you know, let's 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 move away from movies for a second and just look at. I I think it's the story, actually. Yeah. Right. Like if you look at the civil, civil. Hmm. Is that what I wanted to say? <laughs> I don't know. The s- wow, I'm going blank. I'm really tired. Um, the civil rights movement. There we go. If you look, <laughs> if you look at the civil rights movement, right, and you look at the story of. You know, again, like I forget the time and the place, mm-hmm. but the whole the whole idea of when there's video shot of just police beating unarmed, non-resisting black people. Uh-huh. Right. And that got pushed all over the networks and that sparked something in America to say this is wrong and we have to do that like started the charge. Yeah. And then you have like the building of the legend of Martin Luther King Jr. where he gets to this like washington dc march and tells you know shares his i have a dream vision mm-hmm. with the world right Re- but remembering the context that he was like one of the last people he wasn't the main speaker yeah. but everyone remembers martin Luther king jr when you have those stories it did change america and then another story like jackie robinson more integration of black people in mm-hmm. white society right like yeah. sports like that was a game changer that helped to then bridge the path forward for more societal heart change. Yeah. For them to accept this. So then when Chadwick Bozeman, where hey, our, you know, you know, rest rest and rest in peace, brother. But like when Chadwick Bozeman plays Jackie Robinson in 42, like it, you know, we've all accepted the idea that we can have integration of different races in sports. Mm-hmm. And and you know that movie's just more of a celebration than a oh wow we can do that kind of thing. <laughs> but it all happened because of these stories of these different people these these people that became legends and myths in our society. Um, I'm thinking about Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X and Jack- Jackie Robinson. You know with with those people, um, you know the stories do happen first, which then as society drinks drinks them in and kind of you know sits on them and understands them and digests them and then then makes decisions in in their hearts about what that means for them moving forward that does change society i mean that's part of the reason why we like telling stories is because we want to help create positive change in society and telling stories that not a lot of people get to hear about i think changes a lot too it grows your empathy for people and situations that you really don't fully understand if you just don't have the information in front of you so i think yeah i think what you were saying was pretty accurate actually but no i mean it's all from that statement you said i wasn't even thinking about it and i think that's the that's that is wow that's the the power of storytelling Mm -hmm. and then i guess from a movie's perspective right like I guess I'm trying to think of a movie that really had that level of impact that started first the snowball of impact. Mm-hmm. Whereas 
I feel like once it's a movie, it's kind of already been slightly accepted. But it does help more, right? Yeah. Like it does help more. Like like movies and, and, and TV shows that help to – like again, I'm thinking more about human rights and civil rights in general. But, you know, movies that had such a great impact to share or documentaries to share, oh, this is what's happening in this community. Or, or look, there, there's a family that is going through this situation. It's like, oh, I relate to that. And then when they see that in real life, it's like, oh, that's okay. Like, I think for me, like the LGBT, any 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 movies where I see uh, an LGBT character is definitely like a way for me to kind of more and more relate mm-hmm. to their community and to then understand and, and to empathize with their community. So once once I see or, or interact, it's like, oh, wow, like, you know, it's not like in the movie, but it's it's I can. I can be more impactful. I can be more intentional uh, mm-hmm. about my interactions with people from that community because I I have empathized with characters from like a movie or a TV show. Yeah, I think it like it humanizes yes. people that we don't really previously might think we relate we don't relate to. Like yeah. if you see if you can see someone else as just another human being. I think like the differences that you have with them kind of shrink in a way. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not that big of a deal anymore because you realize, oh, they they have feelings too. They have emotions too. They have a lot of the same desires and um feelings that I personally have and like it's not like a us versus them. It's like just another human. Yeah, and and again, taken taken away from the big story franchises, but like again, that's why I mentioned Star Wars because for Star Wars, you know, the whole relationship between Luke and, and Vader, that father son relationship, that was so key for me to understand so many things between my father and I, and and also the idea of what heroism heroism could could look like in in the modern more futuristic setting. You know, you could have the Jesus story, but I like with Luke where he throws the lightsaber away. And says he will he will not be a Sith. He will not turn to the dark side, even mm-hmm. if that means he's gonna die. Like wow, that was like such a huge moment for me as a, as a young kid when I watched that. Yeah. And uh, but my my whole my, sorry my whole point to to get into all that was, you know, the whole whole idea of you get away from the big movie franchises and you look at the work that PBS has done, KCT mm-hmm. with like Mister Rogers Neighborhood. Yeah. Right, reading Rainbow. Right, mm-hmm. telling stories and giving the different perspectives. Um, and you know, you know, Mr. Rogers is sitting there telling you, telling, like, singing a song of how much he likes you and how much you know you're special and important. You know, messages that really needed to be told to a lot of kids in America who weren't maybe getting those messages from home or from the school or or anything. Again, I'm not blaming anybody, but those stories, those messages, mm-hmm. were impactful, and I think helped to make a generation, you know, I think better than the last. Yeah. In, in certain respects. Or or um, we talked about this last week with the whole didacticism, but the PSA videos, like helping mm-hmm. to share like, hey, don't do drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, don't share needles, you know, AIDS, you know, those kind of things like those those help. So it's it's wow. I really like that you said that statement because oh. that helped me feel a lot better about this mythic dissonance. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So. What can we do as storytellers to avoid mythic dissonance? So one, we can stop as storytellers to try and guess what will be popular in the consciousness of society 
and tell the stories we actually care about telling. Yeah. Um, number two, authors must respect the intelligence of their audiences and not blame audiences when they don't understand their work. Yeah. Number three, finally, if you are working in a universe shared with many fans, learn the notes first and then create a new song with a foundation from what has already been established. Yeah. And I guess I would add another thing is that fans like myself, we also mm -hmm. need to be accepting of new ideas. Yeah. And there is an oversaturation of storytelling nowadays. Like anyone can tell a story really using their mobile device. <laughs> so um, I think it's really important that we make sure we're telling the correct stories because, I mean, as we were talking about earlier, stories greatly affect our society. Yeah. And what we believe and how we live and teach the next generation those things. Like if we really believe something is important and it's worth knowing about, then put that in your story. Yeah. No. And this this is definitely something where along the lines. This this is this is pretty much the main the main thing, right? There there are there's a lot of storytelling happening now. Yeah. And like there there always was a lot of storytelling happening, but now like we can all read and watch and listen to all the stories. Yes. Out. So it it is heavily saturated the marketplace for mm -hmm. storytelling. And so now it is more important than ever to not really have more gatekeepers. I don't want to say that, but more to have better filtering mm -hmm. and, and to and to be better about the stories that we tell and choose to tell because you know, more than just like the marketplace and business and that kind of stuff, like the story that you tell and then share with the world, it does affect somebody out there. Yeah. And so we have to be even more careful to, you know, when we create the story because the next generation will be affected by it. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, for instance, like what stories are they going to tell from this year's election? Again, not trying to get political, but like what, what how is society going to look like future yeah. society is going to look back on this this year in 2020 and 2020 was pretty cray cray yeah i remember back in those days a long time ago you know what it's kind of like in life i never thought i would live through a year where i'd be like oh yeah i lived through the infamous year 2020 yeah true it's been i thought all that stuff was done away with yeah <laughs> that's so true so yeah like how we tell that stuff is gonna be important to our grandkids and it's going to shape their lives and really i mean the stories that we tell our family does shape society it might not be on a big screen but it still affects a lot of people in big ways yeah very true very true yeah so in the end i you may be feeling that this was not really a good discussion like a, a solution to mythic dissonance you're probably right uh there's a lot more that we can learn but again we're we want to with this podcast we want to motivate ourselves to become better storytellers and hopefully you know invite you on this journey as we become better storytellers you as well will become a better storyteller mm -hmm. so yeah but you know to help kind of wrap this up better we're going to leave the conversation here next week we're going to finish the our first series of understanding story and we do have sort of a solution to some of this mythic dissonance um and you know so subscribe and be ready for next week's episode mm -hmm.
So yeah, on next week's episode, <laughs> uh, the title is going to be called Needed Resolution. What is the story's real place in society? And how does its end translate to our own practices? Hmm. So that's going to be interesting, I think. And hopefully you think so too. Um, if you're just waiting for the next time we, we talk about a film or interview someone, you know, that will be coming soon. But uh, <laughs> for now, look forward to finishing <laughs> this series of Understanding Story with us. You're going to like it. And if you guys have any projects you're working on, or if you disagree with what we're saying and you want to argue with us, post about it on social media with the yeah. hashtag MustyCreative, and we will share your opinions on the show and have some really good discussion about it. Yeah. And we want to thank our monthly supporters for helping us make this episode of the Musty Creative Podcast. With your support, we are able to create better shows for you, interview more guests, and buy better equipment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash musty and click on that support button. Click, click, click. And that's all we have time for. Remember to leave us a review on iTunes and find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and anchor.fm slash musty. Now, it's not, and I, I wish I could do, I want to do like more fa- funny banter and stuff like that, but it's time to shower up. them a satisfaction they couldn't get any other way.